Greetings and welcome to What's the PhD Deal, the podcast where we attempt to demystify the scientific PhD process. For folks going through the rigors of pursuing a PhD, folks thinking about getting a PhD, or even people who simply clicked on this by mistake, or as we like to call them, our key demographic. That's right. You can check out the website associated with us at realphdeal.com. And we'd love it if you email us at our group email, phdealmail at gmail.com. So check the show notes on whatever pod app you're using for that information. And please feel free to send us any comments, criticisms, and most importantly, questions. And finally, a quick disclaimer, the following podcast reflects only our views and in no way is meant to represent any of the views of institutions or organizations that we are associated with. We also admit we don't have the perfect answer to every question, but you knew that already. And, uh, and even among ourselves, we might sometimes respectfully disagree or we might disrespectfully disagree. Yeah. Or, yeah, or any combination thereof. So please take everything we say with a kilogram of salt. And with all that being said, let's get on to the episode. So I'm Elias, and I'm joined by nuclear material scientist Liz. Hey. And spiritual leader, Dr. Mohawk Luis. Om, hello. Hey, how's everyone doing this week? Rocking, sir. All right. Yeah, so my wife and I started watching Ozark based on recommendations from Liz and Lou. And uh, it's a great show, but I have to say I object to the portrayal of Missouri in that show. That's incredibly unfair. <laughs> the media's at it again, making Missouri look not so good. I don't know why they do this. Any thoughts? Get your shit together, media. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh i don't i don't really know what to say i have mixed feelings about this show because it's like a weird blend of i can't stop watching and um like get me away <laughs> yeah anyway, i agree very um i don't know pulls you in but yeah anyway. pulls you in in a very dark and thrilling way yeah yeah it's it's kind of um i, I almost like breaking badish where like you you start off having favorites that might change and people that are somewhat good tend to go bad and some people that are quote unquote bad tend to emerge as heroes it's kind of it's kind of interesting that way i like it yeah sounds like grad school in some yeah sense. yeah that's right Which is incredible, <laughs> incredible segue for our next topic whoa well done <laughs> sir so Today we'll be discussing scientific writing, and we're going to have two uh, episodes on this topic. Uh, the first, today's episode, will be focused on big picture ideas on why writing is important and uh, just strategies on developing your writing and communication skills in grad school and things like that. And then in a future episode, in part two, we will delve more into the practical details of how to write a manuscript and get your papers published. But Obviously, as you know, regular listeners of this show know that we like to wing it and go where the wind blows. So uh, so we'll see how that goes. And hopefully it's good content on that topic in this two-part series. So we all know writing, incredibly important part of Huge. the science process, of the PhD process. And sometimes we're not good at it. Often we don't like it, but it will always be part of our job. And that's a reality. 
And so, uh, so just to get some quick input from folks on the panel, how important do you think is writing today in, in today's research landscape? Well, I'll start off by saying it depends on where you're working. So it goes from either being moderately important to like extremely like um, your life depends on it important. Like it, <laughs> it's always somewhat important. You know, if you work in an industry, it depends on a type of industry job too, but it may be less important than I would say through an, than a, and this is in general, of course, than an academic route. So, you know, but industry still likes to, you know, um, have papers written on certain projects if, you know, it works with their IP uh, strategy because, you know, it gives them some credence, some scientific credence and everything. So you have, uh, I, I've worked in energy storage and you have papers being put out by Toyota on, you know, uh, solid state uh, type batteries and things of this nature. It kind of gives gives um, them some scientific credence. And then all the way to you're an academic or, or you're, you know, you're working um, at a national lab that, that works on fundamental work or working at uh, as a assistant professor and then it's like you know your lifeblood it's it's everything so 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 yeah very usually usually very it's usually it's a uh, I I would say incredibly important uh, and and also uh, just to kind of harken back to the earlier thing that we spoke about uh, about how science works it is part of the scientific process what you are putting out there is what is what people will be these are the shoulders that you know, people will be standing on to kind of reach other things. You know, they may not be like gigantic shoulders compared to smaller <laughs> folks, but whatever you're throwing out there, other people are building on. So that's supposed to be how the whole scientific process works. So there's, I mean, it's not supposed to be just stuff to make your resume sound better. It's supposed to be you're putting something out there that other people can build on. But that's yeah. that's that's as far as I think. And also, like not not just other people, but you. Right. Like often you're writing papers and you know, you cite yourself, but it's like um, it's important to maybe show a progression in your research. Right. You, oh, know? Good call. you started from like point A and then, um, you know, you went to point B. Why? Why are you at point B? Because of A and like these things. So it's it's not just important for other people around you, but also yourself and, you know, kind of building that narrative around a certain topic area. Um, but one thing I wanted to add to Lou's comments also is, and to answer Elias's question, is, um, gosh, there's a really large spider on my wall. Anyway. Um, <laughs> don't look away. Uh, so Our but, listenership um, has doubled just now. <laughs> this is fantastic. Yeah, it's really which big. Side of the wall, which side of the window is it? Is it on the inside or on the outside? It's in the room with me. Oh, great. Oh, I'm displeased. We have a special guest today. This is great. Special yeah. guest. Yeah. Right. Okay. Anyway. Um, so, <laughs> right. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so writing, like, we, we're we all, like, in more academic careers, right? But writing is, I mean, it's important in every single job. I don't care what job. Okay. If you have a PhD or pursuing a PhD it's or, or even BSMS. Writing is always going to be important. Writing comes is even important just in how you communicate with your peers, your coworkers, yeah. your managers. Like you might be writing, you're writing emails. 
okay, like this isn't like you need to analyze every single word of every single email, but that's communication as are reports yeah, um, and things like of this nature. So it doesn't even have to be external for it to be, you know, a paper of some kind. And those are typically, if you're doing any sort of research or science or even just like um, engineering, like you're going to probably have to be writing because you're going to have to document what you did, why you did, um, because people later are going to need to look at it. So I think part of my first job after college, documentation was huge. Every kind of engineer where I worked, and I worked with electrical, nuclear, mechanical engineers, wide range of like um, types of work from fundamental research to like very applied, like um, kind of engineering, like designing components of submarines. Everyone was writing. And so I think regardless of your exact position and title, uh, written communication is important. Yeah, no doubt. And one could make the argument that for all its importance, writing and communication skills are to some extent underemphasized in grad school. I mean, they are part of grad school. You know, you have your proposal, you have your papers that you're writing, your, and maybe you're part of obviously your dissertation and maybe you're part of some research proposal. But in many ways, it doesn't feel as urgent as other things like your next experiment or your technical skills. And I mean, one could think of maybe key skills you need to survive and do well in grad school. And so, for example, technical expertise is important. You know, hard work is important. Uh, Knowledge, specific knowledge to your field. Sure. Uh, And then obviously broader knowledge. And maybe on a spectrum, grad school tends to focus more on specialized knowledge versus broader mm-hmm. knowledge yeah. and on the like clear, harder skills like uh, getting data and technical skills than the softer skills such as communicating and things like that. Uh, so is that your perception as well? And so why do you think that is for students and how, how can folks watch out for that kind of stuff? I, I think it's basically, um, I, I think writing is, is the lifeblood even in, in a PhD program, but I think why it tends to get um, maybe, de- I think it does tend to get de-emphasized compared to those other skills that you mentioned as far as uh, obtaining technical skills, being able to crank out some data that's necessary because those other things have um, real strict deadlines or, or you know, dates attached to them where we need to get this data for for you know our collaborator who who's working with this project too or or if your work is being funded by some someone or the most of the work that you're doing is funded by someone who expects certain deliverables at certain time frames that throws a pretty hard um deadline on what you're trying to do so it, it instantly goes to the top of the queue whereas writing it's like you know it's it's almost like uh, you're always kind of technically writing or putting together this paper of whatever it is you're working on. And honestly, there's no real hard deadline other than, hey, shouldn't you have written something about this already? Like your PI might come to you like, we should really wrap this up soon until paper. And then you're like, sure. But even that's like a nebulous uh, kind of deadline. Yeah. So it, you don't get a lot like we, you know, we're, we're, we're similar creatures, right? Like we, 
we work with, uh, we're, we're, we're a bit overwhelmed uh, in grad school and we got a lot of stuff being thrown our way and we're working hard I and mean, even past grad school. And so you prioritize and, and you prioritize the stuff that have direct negative consequences if they're not done by so-and-so date. And that's usually not papers. So then you just like, hey, I'll push that. I'll worry about it. next week. I'll, I'll start writing this next week. And then you just, you just get pushed and pushed and pushed as some other fire comes uh, bearing down on you. And I think that's really why, I, I think everyone says the right things about writing in grad school and even beyond grad school, but like, but actually in, your incentives are, do not match what people say. Your advisor may say, writing is so important. We need to crank up papers on this, or, but they're saying this and maybe like giving you things that, that are going to, you know, move you away from writing that paper because you have to hit all these other deliverables. And, you know, and they're not just, they're not being bad about this. Like everybody does this, like, it's just kind of what happens. Yeah. Right. I think the only thing I'd add to that is right. Yeah. So this is something in grad school and after grad school for sure. Yeah. And I think the own, and something, another thing that I think um, happens in more of an education type system or like situation is there's like kind of a natural progression, right? Like, kind of for if you need to start by learning how to be effective in a lab and then be effect like be an effective student at running your designing your own experiments executing on those analyzing the data so there's like a lot of layers and before you can even get to you know writing a paper or writing a report or whatever it is that you are writing you need to gain these other skills so i feel like it's a it's it's an important but more of like an outer layer of um, the education process. So I feel that's maybe another reason it's maybe underemphasized um, because there are you, you need to take other steps to be able to even get there. Um, but I think something that to keep in mind, and I know I do this for myself, is, I mean, you're the only one who's going to like prioritize getting yeah. these things written and maybe other things might suffer like in terms of like work priorities, but you, you kind of just have to put it first. Yeah, true. You know, I guess sometimes you need to do things multiple times so that you become good at them and get good feedback. Yeah. Sometimes maybe your PI doesn't give you that quick or responsive feedback through multiple iterations enough. Or maybe it's not like as if you're writing tens of publications in grad school. So uh, and so it takes a while to get good at this stuff. And also, it just doesn't feel as urgent uh, to improve writing skills. So day one in the lab, what are you thinking of? It's not going to be, hey, I need to become a more effective communicator. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be, I need more data. And there's always a need for more data. Like that always. feeling yeah. of... That it's not as urgent to feel, hey, I need to make my writing skills better. Um, but then there's always an urgent feeling for more data or I need to run another experiment. Or, yeah, by the way, time is on my side. You know, grad school is years. I can I can postpone improving my communication skills and such. So it's kind of the nature of the game. Yeah, and I, and I think also um, you can show appreciable... Uh, progress when you're running experiments and getting data, right? So if you're going to group meeting and your group meetings are like 
every week or every two weeks, whatever. And like, they're like, Hey, what'd you do? And you're like, well, I was reading a lot of literature. I mean, it's not, it doesn't, that may be correct. And it's, it's just as much work, but you (laughs) can't help if not more, but you can't help, but like feel like the loser at group meeting when everybody's like, then I did this experiment and I did this and I found out that like, Oh, that's great. What'd you do, Lou? It's like, uh, you know, I read a lot and I think what we're doing is important. So that's good. You know, I think we fit in nicely within knowledge gaps, but it's like, you know, it's, it doesn't sound as exciting. So you, your, your incentives are all askew, right? Like they're, and you're better at that. You can get quicker at doing experiments. And that's generally what you do first. You don't start writing first because you don't have any data. So you start learning how to run experiments and how to, how to, how to do experiments and then you become somewhat capable at them. And then all of a sudden, that's a nice crutch, right? Like if if you need to get some stuff done, it's it's easy to do. Meanwhile, paper writing comes after you've already kind of uh, have some uh, abilities in the lab. And thus, it's slower. It's tougher. It's like starting from scratch. And it's not as much fun. You know, you'd rather get in the lab and crank out that that experiment that you're like kind of decent at now or, or use a machine that you've you've become the go-to guy for. And that's that's a lot more satisfying, not just in group meeting, but just to yourself, instead of just looking at a screen and being like, I don't know what I'm going to write here. And like, how am I going to explain this? Is that, but it's necessary. And you just kind of have, it's it's one of these things that it's so crucial to be good at, but it's every incentive is against you on this because it's just, it, it nothing is rewarded. So Lou, about that, you know, yeah. just follow up. I remember in grad school, your different PIs had different ways of managing their group or managing group meeting weekly or biweekly or monthly or whatever. Yeah. And some people would have different, some grad students would have very different uh, kind of feeling about group meeting and about presenting in group meeting. And many people would think that it's just a burden, it's useless. And many people would think that it's an opportunity to, 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 whip up a couple of slides that are useful for, or figures that are useful for later and improve communication skills. And, and obviously it's kind of a balance where you can be do, putting way too much time into just preparing slides for a group meeting versus actually doing work. Um, but I mean, I'm curious what you folks think about that spectrum. I mean, now looking back, if I ever have a research group, I think I would like to have students practice presenting and working on that stuff. I'm not sure I was too excited about it back when I was a student. Yeah, I hated it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, group meeting can be tough, but I think it's kind of about how they're run, right? Like there's kind of, there's a spectrum, right? They can feel way, it's a burden when they're kind of like unnecessary, like unnecessarily frequent. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's no direction. Like if there's no direction and you're just like, getting together and like, oh my God, like, why do we have to have a thousand meetings about all these topics and nothing's, you know, like there needs, you need to kind of build on something. And, you know, I think it's important for students and I would, I mean, I think even in my current role as a postdoc, I'd like more group meetings that are more, a little bit more academic in nature, mm-hmm. but it's just not really as big of a thing here. Um but I think they're super important, particularly for students to be able to get up in front of a group in a, you know, somewhat safe space. Um, not like, you know, everyone's super nice, but safe, like you're not out there in the world where, you know, outsiders are like, what are you talking about? You know, like if 
you're showing some preliminary results or sharing ideas should be with your group. Um, and then maybe, you know, your advisor can provide some feedback or input and, um, that way you get to see what other people in your group are doing. You guys can connect about something or I don't know. I think that's important for forming a group. You know, about your point about having excessive meetings, I kind of <laughs> learned about that also when I came to a national lab where you literally have like a monetary like a price for a meeting yes. because people build yes. their time and, you yes. know, they have there's overhead on their labor. And so you can literally have like a meeting that costs Thousands Many thousands of dollars. Of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> and so you if have, you have to a think, big group. Is, is yeah. this good value, you know, for, for from this meeting? Whereas I never used to thought in monetary terms, think in monetary yes. terms about these meetings. Yeah. You can funny. think about papers that way also. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good paper. Call. This yeah, is, good call. Uh, yeah. I didn't I've never thought about that, but someone I a PI of mine once said, This is getting to be an expensive paper. I don't think we need to add this. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that, that makes complete sense. I think it's because when you're brought up as a grad student, you're so cheap for what you produce. It's like, it's like you're 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 just like a box of cam wipes. Yeah. You know, it's just like throw a grad student that. It. It's like not a big deal. Like you know, just like yeah. it's, it's just like this disposable like uh, resource that's just like yeah yeah. Oh, this project is really. I oh, just throw like a couple of grad students at it, and it's fine. Like they're incredibly cheap, mm-hmm. and their time costs nothing. So it's it's mm-hmm. these become more uh, pressing matters as you get into. Uh, beyond getting your PhD and you start to become expensive and you start, and then your time becomes expensive. And then you're right. Like, like if you have a group meeting of 20 people and it's there for an hour, it's 20 times an hour or whatever their early rate is, it can get pretty yeah. astronomically high. And yeah. Uh, but I, I, I just, for me, group meetings, you know, when they just feel like uh, they're a chore and you're just trying to get through slides and, you, and you're spending too much time on them because you have to make them look good because like all of a sudden that becomes an important thing that, that, that can get like out of hand, I think. Uh, but yeah. I, I tend to like group meetings that are, you know, not super frequent, like once every two weeks or so, or if you want to do yeah. it like every week, which some people like to do, um, have it, you know, either split, split the group or like, you know, like one group, one half presents one week to that, or even just by people. Like we had a really large group uh, previously. And I remember somebody would, give up, give a presentation and everyone would chime in. And then, and that was not bad. Like for every week it was like, okay, like whose turn is it? This guy's. And then you'd listen. And then it was your turn. You'd, you'd talk and people would listen and give you feedback. And it wasn't, that wasn't so bad. Um, it's just, you just don't want them to be like, feel like a chore and feel like I've got to justify what I did this week, you know, and th- which is again, tough to do if you've just been writing and you're like, well, this week I wrote and it's like, like, that's not, that doesn't sound nice. You, you don't have a slide like demonstrating that, you know, so it's just, uh, except for an X, Y plot of like, you know, how many times I smashed my head against the wall and, how, you know, versus, versus hours spent on this project. Yeah. yeah. The problem is that you think you have like a metric, which is the number of words that you added in that week to your manuscript. Yeah. But many times, you know, you just, <laughs> recycling or just making those words better and it's just still the same number or even less so yeah. you can't even yeah. say my paper advanced by two pages you can That's just right. say oh yeah two of my pages are now better pages <laughs> it's, that's kind yeah. of what i did this week <laughs> and and especially as a grad student 
I mean, to be fair, you kind of suck at writing a paper. I mean, that's just because you're you're not used oh, to it. And you, yeah, and like you look, it's it's like uh, I play guitar and I I I think about earlier songs I wrote and I'm like, oh my god, that's like cringy and terrible to look at or listen to. It's like, or if I find an old cassette like of me, I'm like, oh, that was so like, what the hell was I thinking? I think papers are the same way. Like you 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 remember your. I remember my first paper that I was like really into. I'm gonna. It was actually ended up being my first paper. But like I was like I'm gonna write this, and you know I, I had been on a few papers uh, before that, and where I had helped and and um, you know wrote parts of the paper. But and I and that I thought qualified me. I'm like oh I can write papers now. I've seen the process. You know I I've seen how the sausage yeah. is made. I can do this. This is totally wrong and stupid because writing it yourself is just so like these are postdocs who are like knew what they were doing. They're writing this stuff, and then you know I come along and I'm like I told my advisor I'm like yeah I'm I'm gonna this this work that we're working on, I'm gonna turn it into a paper. And he was like excited. He's like, oh, this is great, like good initiative, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just do it and it's gonna be awesome and we're gonna do this. And he's like, yeah, go for it. Like and I was working heavily with this postdoc at the time on this project. And I told him about it too. And he was like, okay, great, you know, um, let me know if you need help. So I wrote this this paper that I thought sounded like like a paper. Like I was like, all right, this looks and then I gave it to uh, his name was Antonius, the postdoc was working with me. And it was like, I mean, he just made it sound magical and beautiful. Like he took what, like this, like complete crap that I wrote. I mean, the data was the same. Everything was the same, but like, it just, it sounded terrible. It didn't sound right. And then he's such a pro. Like he really was like a really good uh, researcher and, and he excelled at writing. And it was, and he's Greek. It wasn't even his native language. And it sounded a thousand times better than what I wrote. I was just like, you know, he handed it back to me. He's like, I made some edits. And I'm like, oh, my God, this sounds this sounds like a manuscript I, w- I would read. Like, this is amazing. This is like, and it was like magic. And, I, and that made me realize, holy crap, I'm really bad at writing. I need to get better at this. And you just, it, it's it's just a constant, um, uh, it's, it's a constant learning and 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 uh increasing ability as you do kind of a thing and it's just you just have to put in the time and it's you're going to just be terrible at it at first and you're just going to have to like everybody is and you're just going to have to move through that and to get to the good stuff that's it that's all there is to it yeah i think antonio inspires this uh this next idea also because you know there are in my mind there are two aspects of scientific writing one is you have to know the language you're writing in, and that's language proficiency. And so then it's important, you know, maybe non-native speakers have a bigger problem here when they're getting started. But even for native speakers, I mean, the grammar yes. and the syntax and the kind of stuff, just yes. say, it's a different language, you know, science. And with, you know, you signed up to do science. You didn't know you're going to do this writing. So, uh, yeah, that's such, a, that's such a scam. I was like, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I remember being like, this is what I, I was like neck deep in my PhD, just in the experimental stuff. And I had just finished all my classes and I was just doing, cranking out tons of experiments. And I remember I told Aaron in the car, my wife, and I was like, I was like, this is great. This is why I love my job. I don't have to write. I don't have to do anything. I just like do science. And she goes, and she was like, you do know there's like this hundred plus page. <laughs> I love how Aaron keeps figuring this stuff out for me. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, oh my god, that's right. That sucks. I'm gonna have to write, and and I'm gonna have to write papers. 
what what the hell did I get myself into? And it, was just, it was like this horrible realization. I'm sorry, Alice, continue. I totally sure, interrupted. yeah. So so one aspect <laughs> is knowing the language and language proficiency, but then sure. perhaps like really the more important aspect is to be scientifically sound. And, you know, you both touched on that in the first question. You know, forget the language barrier. If If you don't have scientific soundness, you can't even write, you can't even picture the story, the paper in your mind, even, you know, you have to make sure you, you know, what's going on in terms of the bigger picture, you can focus on a hypothesis, the experiments answer questions, the data tells you this story, uh, here's the evidence, here's the counter evidence, and to deliver a flow of sentences that describe all of this narrative, that's the key part of scientific writing. It's the scientific soundness that this is a meaningful argument based on data that tells this story. And, uh, and you know, that's, you, you might know all the words in the English language, but you, you still need that method of thinking, that scientific soundness to get yeah. a paper. And that's incredibly key as well. Yeah. And I think that also comes very much with practice, right? Like, I, you can come up with good outlines and narratives, but I mean, it's a skill that improves over time for sure. Just like your ability to string together these words into sentences that kind of sound good. <laughs> um, so I think that's another thing to keep in mind. Like, um, I forget who described writing a paper as a journey. I don't know. I forget who said that in my life. But they did, and I was like, oh, that's real. Like, <laughs> because when you think of like day one in the lab collecting the first, you know, starts, like the very beginning of your data to the end where you have like even draft one, you're like, oh, wow, that was a journey. That It, it is not the situation where you like pop into lab, say, I'm going to write a paper. You just collect, you know, some data and then poof, like, one week later, you have a paper. Okay, That's so maybe paper. some people do that. Maybe some people do that. <laughs> I, I am not one of those people. <laughs> Definitely here either. I, I, I think, uh, I, you know, to, to speak a, a little bit more of, of gaining these skills and, and being able to put together writing that makes sense scientifically, um, I, I heard a really good tip from somebody um, that you know I just share with with the panel and and, and our our <laughs> half dozen listeners or whoever may be out there. Like uh, I think uh, this was a really half dozen thousand uh, thousand. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Plus the spider, like who's like I'm sure just right now he complete... might have left. I don't know. <laughs> he's like he's like when are we gonna get to talking about flies? Like I don't, I don't... <laughs> talking about these weird papers. Um, I. I found this was a really good piece of advice. Uh, he said what you should do, and I think this works particularly well for non-native speakers as well, because it helps you understand the, the English language, but it works for native speakers as well, because it helps you understand the scientific English language, which is a, a bit different, as, as I said. He said, just find uh, four papers uh, that you really like and that you think are a good representation of, of what you would like to write as. And then just completely word for word recreate them. Like basically take and don't copy and paste because that ruins the whole exercise. But just physically write out each word, each punctuation. And when you get to the figures, actually plot it all out and and throw some data and copy their style. And then basically 
you know, go through the whole paper and do it and do it for like four other papers. And you will kind of um, start to think like them and, and write like them, especially if it's in your field and, and kind of use the, the language in a way that, that they do and kind of almost kind of mimic the, the parts that you like about their style. Yeah, and then submit those papers to the Journal of Physical Chemistry C or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See what happens. Just, you know, submit it and just like, hey, you know, like yeah. it's uh, just, just you know, when you get to the part where it's like, who should be the reviewer? Don't put that guy's name down because then, you know, you'll get. Oh, you'll it's get really funny. Out. That's uh, very good advice. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of a game where make this advice really horrible with just one extra step. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's, step five that's, submit those mimicked papers <laughs> yeah 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 steps from one through four make you a better writer step five makes you a plagiarist and, <laughs> and fraud yeah but i thought that was really great advice i was like wow that's 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 stellar because normally we 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 learn by reading papers these these cues and these hints that people are are using but uh, if you actually physically write it out, I think it, it makes a more uh, indelible impression on you. So I think that was yeah. like a really nice piece of advice, I think. And, you know, I, I've never done it because like most great pieces of advice about writing papers, I don't follow them uh, because I just do my terrible habits with them. Like, you know, the whole you should start writing your paper as you're doing the experiments. That's a really good piece of advice that like I almost never follow. Like I almost always write the paper after I'm done with the experiments, then realize all the experiments I still need to do to kind of make the paper work. You know, uh, the, the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do. Uh, like, like you know, for the same reasons that we spoke about, but I don't know, that I, I know what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> I guess I just don't do it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And you know, this is not talking about the style of a paper or something like that. There's There are many ways to tell a story, many different styles that one could write. But it's just uh, finding your own writing style that still works in the scientific point of view as well. Kind of goes back to what Liz said as your own body of work and stuff. I mean, so of course, this paper would be edited by co-authors, you know, edited by a corresponding author. Um, later, it's going to be peer-reviewed to death, sometimes literally. <laughs> uh, then... You know, then you know, the the journal editors have their go at it as well, but really the, your character and your style would still be quite obvious. Would you'd be surprised? I mean, this would go through a lot of editions and be almost completely changed, but uh, the general thread is still yours. And uh, so, it's it's really nice to learn to develop that style and to kind of uh, have your own tried and trusted methods that you think of that work for you. Also, on that note, I mean, it's cringy as heck to go back and read even an early draft of a paper. I mean, Ugh. obviously, when you, when you submit a paper, let alone when you publish it, the last thing you want to do is go back to an early draft yes. and look at it again and revisit the nightmares. But if, if any of us musters that kind of energy, man, it's, it's so horrible. Like, what was I even thinking would be... I mean, I've looked at some of my early drafts of some papers. Like, no, no, that's that's incredibly that's not that's not good stuff. And you know, in the moment when you're in the moment when people are giving you feedback, sometimes you think, hey, what are they doing to my masterpiece? Yes, uh, it's being ruined and all that stuff. But 
I'm yeah, just a misunderstood him. genius within my time. Why can't they see what I'm trying to write? Yeah, no doubt. And it's something, it's a journey and you learn and improve these skills. I guess. Yeah, I like the journey thing, Liz. That was cool. Yeah, yeah. I um, I really, like, I, I thought that was a very good way of describing it because, I mean, yeah, getting to draft one, huge deal. Like, I think that yeah. is a huge step, but there's, there's a lot beyond that. You, yeah. If you, I mean, so the, the other thing that, you know, like an, an asterisk here would be every group is different. Every PI yeah. that you might be working under going to be different. You know, like they might have much more involvement in your writing, much less. I like, I don't know. I can't speak for that, but, um, I would say from my experience, draft one is like, um, that's words are on a page. Figures are roughly in place. They probably need modifications. Probably everything needs modifications. So don't get too attached. And that's where like, you kind of, that's where you fight, you know, so to speak, like now you have words on a page. Now you can talk about it. That's right. Yeah. So right. Yeah. So being able to get yourself to that point is super, super important. And then after that, things are going to change. Like you can't be hard on yourself or be disappointed. Things are changing because every iteration, it should be getting better. Yeah, I agree. I think the most important thing about the first draft is to remember that the perfect is the enemy of the good. You know, you can, on your first draft, you you can really obsess about every single word, but that's not really the main thing with the first draft. You should be worried at that point about the general science story. Is it coherent? Do the ideas flow? Does it make sense? Does one result lead to the other? Uh, is it convincing data, by the way, worth re- <laughs> worth yeah. revisiting yeah. at this yeah. point? Yeah. And uh, to to bone up some sections, right? Like maybe you're like, you know what? Yeah, we're making this claim here. Now that I think about it, like we need more data to really justify this, or or we don't have data to justify yeah. this. We just kind of assumed this, this made sense, but you know yeah. what? There isn't enough uh, in the literature to support this claim, and we're going to have to just show it. And so, like, you start to like realize what other things you need to throw in there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So speaking of other things to throw in there, Lou, is it time for our uh, fun section on yes. guessing the fake paper? Yes, yeah. it's a very pertinent uh, a segment uh, based on the, the topic <laughs> we're talking about, I think. Guess the fake paper. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> that's right. Yeah, the, the end part is added by me. Uh, I, I, I know what everyone's thinking is, why did Lou give up a promising uh, song singer songwriter career to to pursue science? I was like, I just love science that much. I mean, it's just that's that's really what it what it is. <laughs> I, I know everyone's wondering. Um, so anyway, for this segment, again, very pro- appropriate for the topic at hand. I will be describing to you four different papers that are all a little bit outside the norm uh, for scientific manuscripts. Your job, my illustrious uh, PhD panel, which there's, there's only two today. Rajan is not here today, so we may have to uh, pipette out some some uh, some forty for in in uh, in memory of him. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but please feel free to listen to these, uh, play along at home. I'm gonna describe four different papers, and you'll have to guess which one of these I completely made up. Um, so. Uh, and for our wonderful audience playing along at home, please 
If you guys have heard or any of these papers don't let on because we want to let our 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 listeners, uh, our vast, huge audience uh, uh, listening that that we are uh, to, to enable them to play along. And I like to say hi to Adam. Keep rocking in Germany. Germany's hey, a, Adam. Thanks for subscribing. That's right. And, and by the way, we're huge in Germany, Finland, and also the UK from looking at the stats. So thanks to all our listeners abroad. So um, anyway, let's get on to it. I'm going to describe um, the the four papers. I'm you know I'm just going to give you some info on them. Uh, don't ask any questions about them because that requires extra work and requires I actually read the paper beyond the abstract or have to make up more of a backstory if it's a fake paper. So and we try to avoid extra work here. So all right, paper one. The title is. Residence time and food contact time effects on transfer of Salmonella typhurium from tile, wood, and carpet, testing the five-second rule. So this paper from the Journal of Applied Microbiology in 2007 by various researchers at Clemson University. Uh, these researchers studied the survival and transfer of Salmonella from wood, tile, or carpet to a bologna and bread sandwich. Uh, sandwiches. It's kind of a lunch of champions, really. They placed the salmonella on each surface and then uh, gave it certain residence time of it being there. And then they placed the bologna slice onto the surface for a select period of time, anywhere from uh, 5 to 60 seconds. They found that the bacteria transfer rate to food decreased as the bacterial residence time on the surface increased from 2 to 24 hours. They found that the ability to transfer bacteria to the food, with all else being equal, was um, in, was uh, the ceramic tile transferring the most bacteria, then the wood, then the carpet last. And that bologna intru- introduced to the inoculated surface um, from 5 to 60 seconds all showed transfer of bacteria to the bologna. Uh, so basically, you know, 5 seconds or not, you're, whatever's on, whatever germs and, and microbes are on the, on the surface will transfer to your bologna sandwich. So that was paper one. Uh, Paper two, the title is On the Shared Evolutionary Bias Towards Popular Music in Chickens. All right. Uh, (laughs) This paper from the Journal of Human Nature in 2002 is uh, done by three researchers from Stockton University in Sweden. They wanted to study if uh, preference trends in popular music in humans would be similar in chickens. The researchers trained the chickens to indicate preferences by pecking and then placed two speakers that would play either a top 10 pop song as determined by billboard rankings, or a song that was listed below number 100 according to the same billboard rankings. The chickens picked the top 10 pop songs by a ratio of roughly 2 to 1, heavily indicating that there is a shared evolutionary component to music preference, going against the typically perceived notions of subjectivity and music taste. The most popular song of the songs investigated, by the way, was Bad Romance by Lady Gaga. (laughs) So, paper number three. An analysis of the forces required to drag sheep over various surfaces. (laughs) This paper from the Journal of Applied Ergonomics in 2002, also 2002, was put together by researchers from Australia. And you know we love Australian researchers. Love Uh, Australia. They're always doing some crazy stuff. So apparently, again? I wish. They were probably listening to ACDC when they did this. But (laughs) apparently, dragging sheep is a knowledge gap, or at least was a knowledge gap back in 2002. And these researchers used various surfaces at various incline angles with sheep shearers, uh, dragging real sheep across them. 
they found that the mean dragging forces for different floor textures and slopes range from uh, from 359 newtons all the way to 423 newtons of force. And they were close to the maximum acceptable limits for pulling forces for most capable for the most capable of male shearers. The best the best floor tested was a floor sloped at one to ten ratio, constructed of timber slats oriented parallel to the path of the drag, which resulted in a mean dragging force of sixty three point six newtons lower than the worst combination. All right, that was paper three. Paper four is uh, titled Farting as a Defense Against Unspeakable Dread. A hell of a title. This paper, published in the Journal of Analytic Psych- Analytical Psychology in 1996, was done by a single researcher, uh, Dr. Marla Sadoli, uh, a psychiatrist living in Washington, D.C. Uh, perhaps the flatulence explains why she published it alone. I'm not sure. But she was the sole publisher. She presented a case study of an adopted young boy that underwent enough childhood trauma to be severely disturbed and developed flatulence as a coping mechanism. He uses flatulence to envelop himself in a protective cloud of familiarity against the dread of falling apart and to hold his personality together. That was paper four. So So, Sounds like something from X-Men, I feel like. It kind of does, actually. Uh, Which which may be tipping my hand because I'm a big fan. Uh, so we got, so we got paper one. That's, uh, uh, the five second rule, right. With the food, uh, we got paper two, uh, which is, uh, evolutionary bias with popular music and chickens. We got, By the way, the bad romance song, you know, that part, the rah, 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 uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It kind of sounds like chicken. I mean, the result doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, El- this is like I could have told you that. Like, come on, this is this real. Is this, yeah. Yeah. If you're a reviewer, you'd be like, "This is not novel." Like, I don't know why you're <laughs> why you're presenting. Everyone knows bad romance. Like, and chickens <laughs> go hand in hand. Uh, there's paper three, which is sheep dragging, <laughs> and and the analysis of their force. And then four is, of course, farting as a defense against unspeakable dread. So, what are you guys thinking? Why? T- tell me wh- which you think is the fake paper and potentially why. I think paper four. That would be my vote for fake. For the farting? Yeah. Yeah, I think the same actually. I oh, think wow. the first three were really nice and you laid out the data very nicely. Ah. Paper four sounds like something from a comic book. All right. Kind of. Well well, I'll I'll start with um, the food contact time. Uh, five second rule. That's a real yeah. paper. That that's oh, a real paper. Yeah, that's that's a real no. You, so far, you're okay. I know, but now the result is means that uh, oh. second rule. So did I did I get this correctly? So if it touches, then bacteria transfers, and uh, actually, transfer of bacteria of, if if it's in the order of hours, then the residence time of the bacteria becomes less. Is that yeah? So so here's how it works. Um, I I got confused by this too, and I found this I I. Unfortunately, I didn't have access. I was behind a paywall and I'm at home, so I wasn't able to access the paper. But from what I can gather from, they, they showed some of the plots and some of the the, the, the data. And, and so the residence time is how long the, uh, the, the uh, salmonella was placed on the surface of, of interest, right? So mm-hmm. if it's on there for a long time, that's, I think that's what it is. Sure. So if it's on there for a long time, it's going to move less of it to whatever you're doing, which is uh, – 
Now, I, of course, was most interested about like between they did like 5, 10, 15, 20, 60 seconds. I don't know. They did like a bunch of different seconds. Like, and I wanted to know if something lands on something for five seconds versus something that lands on a baloney that lands on a surface for 60 seconds, which like, would you have less bacteria at five seconds? You know, thus kind of saying like, okay, five second rule may not be bacteria free, but it's less bacteria than 60 seconds. But it seemed, from what I can tell from the data, it seemed to show like no kind of um, trend. Like it sometimes mm. five seconds was worse. Sometimes five seconds was better, which doesn't make sense to me. But it depended on the surface and also the uh, the. That's yeah, yeah, I know. I was kind of upset by that too. I think it needs to be studied more. To tell you the truth, <laughs> I think I think they they concentrated too heavily on the uh, on the type of surface and how that was important. And and I think, but their overall. Um, takeaway message was like, yes, bacteria can transfer to food when it falls on the ground, even for five seconds, which, you know, was, was also... Which is uh, not what we want to hear. That's right. That's right. That goes against all kinds of grade school science that we know, which is like, <laughs> it's terrible. So um, paper three was the analysis of forces, sheep dragging. That's a real paper. That's a That's a real paper as well. And it's the best part about the paper is like a lot of the figures are images of these guys like dragging sheep, like which is like fantastic uh, to see. So paper number two was the shared evolutionary bias of popular music and chickens. That's the fake. I made that up. Oh, I made that completely up. Even the Lady Gaga thing. That was I figured we that lose was, again, Liz. We keep uh, losing. Well, I mean, you know, the odds are against you. There's a there's a yeah. bunch of papers, so. So, um, you know, right away I have like the odds with the numbers, but, but I, I, I wrote it up and I remember thinking I, I, what I typically do is I look at weird papers and someone did like a chicken pecking at faces they found more attractive study. And I'm like, I'm going to change it, make it like popular music. So like, so then the pecking thing sounds legit. And then, then it didn't sound good, but then I was like, you know what? The bad romance thing will probably put the, put the icing <laughs> on this and kind of make it sound yeah. like a real thing. That's what got me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so farting is actually a, a real paper. Uh, it's, it was done by Dr. Uh, yeah, uh, Mara uh, Sadoli. And she, she basically wrote a lot of books on this kind of stuff. Like apparently she had like a lot of interesting case studies and she became like a well-regarded author. And I think paper number four won an Ig Nobel as well. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So, so. So thanks for playing. Uh, guess the fake paper, uh, and uh, you know, I, I'll I'll keep churning these out. And of course, let us know. Uh, send us an email at uh, uh, I believe real PH deal. Mail. Uh, thank you. PH. Sorry, it's phdealmail at gmail.com. Send us an email. Let us know if you like the segment. If you want a different segment. If you know, I'll tell us how you did. Like if you want, if you like playing along. If you so, agree with the science on the five-second rule, all that stuff. I think that's really controversial, uh, to be honest. Like, I'm starting to kind of, like, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of writing a strongly worded letter to the editor and be like, this this, this cannot be. I refuse to, to believe this. <laughs> yeah. This needs to be redone, this experiment. Okay. So before we wrap up, we wanted to set up the next episode as well. And right uh, the next episode, as I said, or... A future episode on the series might come out next week or maybe a couple of weeks later or so. Uh, so that's going to focus on, you know, more practical strategies on writing papers and 
how to create an effective setting to be effective at writing and getting resources you need, how to make figures, what's the order of, uh, you know, sections of the paper that you write to be more effective and think clearly. Also, some of the trickier topics like choosing the journal or discussing authorship or orders of authors, which is always something sometimes very vague and not so clear. For Good me. call. Yeah, these are yeah. big time topics. As well mm-hmm. as something that we all have to figure out, which is dealing with rejection. So, you know, papers get rejected. So, uh, so a lot to unpack on next next episode, but uh, wanted to get your thoughts on this. I mean, for, for me, let's think of the final product, the final paper. Let's say the final draft, say you're in year five of your grad school. It's not the first paper you've written, so you've done the rounds a couple of times. And now you've written this paper and you're sending it to the first time future advisor. So we talked about how the first draft is more of starting to get, you know, get something written down. Uh, it's not just that doesn't have to be perfect, but you start thinking of the story. What should your final draft look like? And in my opinion, something that I really learned in grad school, which is, you know, after doing a couple of these with my advisor and getting feedback on them, is that I would only send my advisor feedback where I've already kind of did a round of editing in my mind in his voice. As in, I already oh, wow. know the yeah, I already know kind of the figure things about figures, tiny details that yeah. he doesn't like, which I kind of agree with. So, so let's skip a round of edits and let me fix those things before I send it to him. Anyway, you know. So, uh, I I really kind of. Th- Learned, and I had a great advisor in that sense to challenge myself to uh, think of every single word and kind of have a draft that I would be happy to live with before I send it. Now, of course, you know, uh, different papers are different, especially if it's a field I haven't written about before, and then I would need to get back for that feedback first. But, you know, it's important to own your paper, to be comfortable with, with uh, at the end, not at the beginning, but at the end, to kind of say, yeah, this is a, this is going to be a good paper. I've optimized it. It looks great. I'm going to own this paper. And we all know that poorly written papers can still get published, and they often do, oh, right? Okay. Yeah, that, but that's blasphemy. No, what? That's crazy <laughs> talk. Yeah, seriously. I mean, you know, the mark of is not even publishing. If you're playing the long game, you want to develop these skills just for you know because you're investing time and you're playing the long game and you're developing these skills. It's good for you. Poorly written papers can get published, but your job is to write the best possible paper you can. Yeah. That's the tricky part. So, so what additional thoughts would you think on that on that line as well? Uh, okay, I, I'll continue with what you're saying. Um, I think by the time, and I've, I've generally felt this about most papers I've written, by the time you finish doing the edits, not just um, before you send it, but even after the edits come from the reviewers, and you kind of redo it a bit to kind of fit that. I always feel like whenever I send um, a paper that I have written um, after it's like the final form that I feel like it's almost, um, this is going to sound a little full of myself, but like uh, uh, almost <laughs> too good for the journal. Like I'm like, this is maybe, maybe this should be going to a different journal. Like I feel like it's like a really good. So when it starts off, I'm like, please accept it. Please accept it. Like, please don't reject it. But then after, you know, you should really feel after you finish, you should be very proud of 
of the work and you should feel like you're really putting something forth that um, that adds to the scientific community and 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 can you can hang your hat on and be proud of like I, I, I usually feel like that this is of course after much much like, not feeling this way <laughs> throughout the process, <laughs> but but at the end, I've always I've always felt like, yeah, this is great. I you know they're lucky to have my paper. I'm I'm very like you know like you just kind of not to sound uh, completely full of myself, but like I kind of do feel a sense of pride like by the time it's over, and I I think you should definitely strive for that. Like it should it should feel like you've actually put something together that um, you're incredibly proud of because because you're you're. I mean, what you're putting out there, like like Liz said, you can build on, but also other people are going to build on, and that that's a cool feeling. So I I, I kind of like it. The, I, the end part is great. <laughs> Sounds good. The beginning and middle, maybe not so much, but you know. Yeah, I think the middle might might be the worst, but anyway. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I so I agree with I. I mean, Lou, I've had these feelings too. Like, you know, you start out like deep in the trench of. You know, this is crap. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And then you come out of it and go, you know, I'm ready for nature. I mean, that's not really true, but like, that's cool. You kind of go through this like evolution in, in your head, also like of you know how you how you see your um, your work. But um, I think um, I completely relate with what you were saying, Elias, about. Um, Kind of hearing your advisor in your head. I mean, some of these little things like, you know, how you label plots, how you um, put sub figures together, how they're arranged, whatever. Like, you know, when you're first starting out, you're like, this is really irritating. But then, you know, you kind of start to see value and um, arranging data is important because visual display of information is quite powerful. Some people might just look at your figures that is a thing um oh yeah so um some of these little like pieces of feedback and how your advisor likes things a certain way maybe it's more work maybe it's more like you know burdensome as a student at first but i think as you go through the motions a couple times like it'll make more sense mm -hmm. and um it's not supposed to be a quick easy fast thing um, I think these things take time. So, and your advisor has been there. I really, and it's also his paper, her paper, whoever's paper. Um, so I think coming at this from a point of, um, saying, okay, every change and every bit of criticism or comment is only making this better. Coming at your paper from that angle is much more constructive than, you know, coming at it from a different kind of point of view of, Oh my God, he's just ripping me apart or like, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. You know, like, that's, not, that's not really what's happening. This person's also getting a paper, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. he wants it to be better. She wants it to be better. All the co-authors want it to be better. They're not just like poking at you for no fun, like just for the fun of it. Um, so I think keeping that in mind is another thing. Um, and yeah, and having that kind of in the back of your head, um, what would my advisor say? It's, it's only going to make everything like faster and if you can kind of each pay each paper be better that means you're getting better and that's the whole point yeah uh, 
Yeah, just to add really quickly to what you said about not taking uh, constructive criticism as just like straight up like someone's trying to knock you down or 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 as Elliot says, you have this like masterpiece or this baby that you've put together and you're very proud of it. And then it's it's hard not to feel attacked and you're like, you know, as, as you put so much work in something and someone's like, ah, oh, this doesn't look right. This doesn't look, this doesn't sound right. And you're like, what are you talking about? Like I work so like, you know, it can, it can get to the point where it just gets like either like um, uh, highly stressful or goofy and there's lack of sleep involved, especially as you're really trying to push the paper out at the end and you've put in all these hours and sleepless nights and, and trying to make sure everything's correct. And then you start to, I, I remember uh, one thing happened to me in particular where um I think we were we we were writing a paper. It was like uh, myself and and some collaborators. And actually, it, it was a paper where uh, there was dual first authors. So me and the other first author were working pretty hard on this. And we were like, I mean, just like cranking hours on this thing. Like we were just writing and revising, writing, revising. And then we we went to like the the kind of the PI of the whole thing. And he was, I remember he was criticizing some stuff and I was trying not to take it personally, but it was, and he was totally right with everything he was saying. And he's like, uh, we should do this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I guess. It's like, sure. Stop making sense. You're really annoying how you make sense. <laughs> you know? And then, and then he got to a point where he, he was trying to explain to me, uh, uh, basically like, basically what he was saying was you should make this, this plot with uh, different shapes i was using all circles um and just different colored circles to plot something and what he was saying was like use triangles and squares as well uh to, to kind of make it visible in black and white but that's not how it came out he said something like why are you using circles and i'm like what do you mean and he's like he's like why don't you use um let's say triangles or just use uh, rectangles and to me i thought he was saying like don't use circles use triangles or or use all rectangles and i'm in my head i was like what the hell do you have? I'm like, and I was like, and I remember going, "What do you, what do you have against circles?" I was like, just at what said. I'm like, "Do you hate circles? What's your deal with circles?" And the other co-author just fell off his seat laughing, <laughs> like, because he saw the whole thing happening. And I'm like, "What the hell's your problem with circles? I don't get it. Like, why do you hate circles?" He's like, "No, I'm." And he was trying to explain, and I was like, "I totally." I was like, at wit's end, that I lost my shit. Like, I was just like, "I was like, what the hell's your problem with circles?" And then. Once he explained, like, oh, oh, no, okay, that does make sense. All right, yeah, yeah, oh, good, good call. Let me do that. And then I went back. And then when we got back, he's like, I couldn't stop laughing about like, what's the deal with circles? Like that's, but it's you know, you're at this like stressful kind, lack of sleepy kind of, you know, pushing hard, and you, you can get goofy and stuff. But actually, I look back at the, even though at the time I was like feeling too super stressed. I got look back at that. That was like so much fun to like be involved with people who, who you can be like that with. Who hate and, circles? People who yeah, hate. Yeah, goddamn these these people who hate circles. They don't get it. Like, like these triangle people are rectangle. <laughs> no, but like I, I, you know, I I'm still fondly in contact with these folks, and despite the fact that I <laughs> acted like 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 very uh very aggressively pro circle for some reason and like uh but they were like you know it's like normal and cool and it's kind of like the the fun stuff that you look back on even though it was like a little crazy part of that is kind of makes it fun too like you're trying to like work hard to get this this really important piece of science out there or at least to you and and it's kind of you know it can get a little you could, you know, nerves can be rattled and stress can be at an all time high, but it's just, you know, it's good to be working with people that, that, you know, like 
um, that make it make it okay despite all that, and and to remind yourself, like, look, they're not trying to kill. They're not anti-circle. They're just trying to make the better the paper better. Right. <laughs> Don't take it right. personally. <laughs> yeah. It really isn't. It's not. It's, this is not a personal thing. Exactly. It's, exactly. Yeah. You know. Also, to follow up, perhaps even controversially, ah. uh, the same could be said about reviewers as well. I mean, most of the times, like ninety percent more of the time, most of the times, it's absolutely not personal, and uh, yeah. they really yeah. put in an honest shift to to check your paper and uh, gave you reviews and. If that paper came rejected, I mean, I remember a couple of papers where I'm so glad that they got rejected. Now, in retrospect, (laughs) (laughs) but at the time, you know, it was this feeling where, you know, the science world doesn't recognize the genius in this manuscript. <laughs> like most great geniuses, I am misunderstood yeah, yeah, in my own time. Yeah, kind of like if like Michael Jackson was not picked for his varsity high school team or something, and yeah, I'm gonna fight back. No, no, actually, it you, wasn't a you, good paper. I think you mean Michael Jordan. Mike, Michael Jackson was probably a pretty poor basketball player. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Uh, I, 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 I do know my pop culture very well, obviously. Yeah. Putting putting a new meaning in the last dance. I guess the, the, the <laughs> next the next experiment we're going to run is uh, uh, chickens versus Elias. Who can pick out the better pop music? And then <laughs> yeah, yeah, good call. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the world is not really stacked against you in that sense. Yeah, uh, yeah. most of the time they're actually good reviews that yep. uh, make sense, and it's very rare that reviews don't make. At least in my experience, papers, they, they don't make them better. They usually do make them better. And of course, there are glitches in the matrix and of problems course. we can, yeah. And maybe that's something also we can pick up in, on in the next episode. But just yeah. in the general scheme of things. Yeah, good call. I, just to add yeah, another super quick story about uh, <laughs> uh, about like my first paper that, that I actually wrote, my first first author paper, like I... When I got the reviews back, I, luckily I had Antonios, who again was like this like beautiful guy throughout the whole process. Like I got it back, and I was like, I took offense at the reviews, like of course because I'm a stupid grad student, and I don't know any better. Like my first paper, and it's a it's my baby. I after after Antonios made it sound so nice, uh, then <laughs> then how could they possibly reject this? And you know they they were they 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 actually said accepted with these revisions, and some of the issues they had with it. I was like, that's, I was reading it and I was reading it with Antonio's and I'm like, that's ridiculous. And, and I'm like, okay, I'll write the response. And I started writing it and it was like, you know, it was like, would reviewer two please kindly get his head out of his ass because clearly this person, and he's like, no, 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 you can't phrase it like that. I'm like, what are you talking about? He doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm like, no, 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 I, I, I understand why you feel the way you do, but that's not how you respond to one of these review things. And, and then I learned like, oh, what you have to say is we, disagree with the reviewer's assessment that blah, blah, blah. And we feel that we have shown this and these, these uh, references that we're citing, you know, kind of bolster our claims. And we think that, you know, like I learned that there was a way to kind of go about doing it. And, and honestly, they made the paper so much better. Like they really did. Like every time I, now it's a lot less, like a a lot less, uh, I take it a lot less personally because I've done it a lot more. So now I get these reviews. I'm like, okay, whatever, sure. Uh, then I'm like, okay, I can respond to that. Okay, that's fine. All right, okay. blah, blah, blah. And it's it's no big deal. 
but any and honestly at the end of the process it always makes the paper better in fact so so many times i've almost wished i could send an email to reviewer even though we're not allowed to know who they are and just be like thank you like your review was fantastic and it made the paper a thousand times better so and i tried you know what's crazy though like they know you they will know you right Uh, i guess so yeah like i've never really they will always know you but you will never know them which is why it's particularly important for you to be careful in your response yeah that for that reason too that's a good call you know just like but I thought I, that was crazy. I was like, whoa. <laughs> Mind blown. It's, it sounds very like uh, mafioso. It's like, you may know who we are, but we definitely know who you are. So make sure you, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Fantastic. So you've heard it here for uh, folks. They know you, but you don't know them. So be careful. Let's <laughs> take home message from today's episode. Um, thanks for joining us on What's a PhD and join us again next week for some more PhD action. Thanks again. Cheers. Bye, everybody. Yeah.